Coming up on Jason and Natty, we're already at week four and we are back with another episode where we are discussing your sit-start dilemmas and we'll be discussing some of our favorite and high-scoring games of the week. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning, maybe Wednesday afternoon, maybe Thursday morning, just whenever you get around to it. We got another show loaded for you guys today. Once again, we are back, ready to go for week four. We got your sit-start dilemmas. We have some really, really good sit-start dilemmas to discuss this week. It was honestly hard. Y'all showed up again this week. You gave us a whole bunch of great suggestions of what to discuss, and it was legitimately hard trying to narrow it down to just two questions per position this week. I had to sit there and think about which ones were going to make the final cut. If we don't get to your question today, I'm going to try to make some time tomorrow to get back to all of you guys. I've been pretty good about that for each one of those. To help us out, as always, we have Mr. Chris Moxley on to help us out. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm ready for week four. I feel like we've learned quite a bit, so we should have a better idea of how these players fit within their respective offenses. Yes. So always good to get more information. Yeah. Again, we can only rely on last year's data so much. At this point, like some teams are worse than we expected. Some teams are better than we expected. Some teams, there's still some teams out there that are so tr- we're still trying to figure out a little bit. Uh, TCU, we'll talk about them a little bit probably tonight. I feel like they're a team that everybody's still trying to figure out what all is going on with them but it is week four coming up and we're going to start off tonight with just a little bit of you know just a little bit of fun talk about week four chris uh what game are you looking forward to the most this weekend or games i'm really interested no yeah i'm really interested to see how oregon uh washington state plays out i want to see how good this washington state offense actually is and then respectively how good the Oregon defenses because what we saw week one from Oregon was not <laughs> what I think they are. No, but I want to see if they are legit or they're kind of just phonies. So I think there's a lot to take away from this game. Yeah, and I think I think their win over BYU at least solidified the idea that they're still a good team. We don't know how good they are, I don't think, but I think it's fair to say that they're at floor level they're still a top 25 team probably by years end, unless BYU is just much worse than we expected and be- them beating Baylor was just an absolute fluke who knows again we got nine weeks left of the season to figure out or 10 weeks left of the season excuse me to figure all that stuff out of everybody's got nine more games for the most part so who knows um favorite game I'm looking forward to Florida, Tennessee, I'm a dog fan, so I don't like either one of those. But it'll be interesting to see. Can Tennessee actually finally knock off Florida? If there is a year to do it, this is really it. Tennessee looks really, really good so far. Florida has not. 
It's at Tennessee. Tennessee's favored by almost 11 points. If Tennessee doesn't do it this year, I don't know when they're going to do it against Florida. So I'll be watching that one. Texas, Texas Tech. I think we were all a little disappointed in Texas Tech's offense last week. Donovan Smith had a very up-and-down performance throughout that. I guess some people weren't super surprised that NC State's defense performed well in that game, but they're going up against Texas this week. So can now that they're back in Big 12 play, can we kind of expect some perform, better performances week in and week out? We'll see. Uh, other games that I like. Wisconsin-Ohio State. Again, two teams we thought or we know Ohio State's good but Wisconsin dropped the ball against Washington State early on so see if they kind of bounce back maybe make this game a little reasonable we'll see Chris what is one game that you think will disappoint this weekend either it'll be just a massive we think it's gonna be close but it'll be just a massive blowout or it it, like it's gonna be boring and don't say Iowa Rutgers that's cheating uh can I say Nevada Air Force (laughs) okay that's like half cheating i'll give you that one that's gonna be boring to sell (laughs) yeah i'm not sure nevada's gonna score any points in that game um spreads 24 and the total's 45 so do with that information what you will exactly i'm gonna call clemson wake forest is a noon game on abc that's gonna be a disappointment clemson's only favored by seven the last couple of times that both of these both of these teams have played against each other when they're both even when Clemson was down Wake Forest still has a really difficult time with that defense Clemson knows Wake Forest's system like the back of their hand they seem to really know what they're doing against Wake Forest so I don't I think Clemson again not a betting man but I would probably lay down on Clemson more than seven points on that game I think that's gonna I think that's gonna be a game that's not close and you're bored by halftime hopefully <laughs> again hopefully Clemson's offense maybe may keep that from happening we'll see but again they they still look bad but they look improved from last year I'll give them that so yeah those are just some of the games we're kind of excited about this week uh Moxley any other thoughts you have kind of general on week four before we get into these sit starts and everything um this is mostly speaking the last week of non-conference play for a lot of teams so we're going to get into the meat of the schedule really soon yes. um, and see some more competitive games. So that'll I'm, be nice. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely one of my least favorite things of college fantasy is what, looking at one of my guys going up against a G5 or, or FCS team and being like, oh, if he played all 60 minutes, he would absolutely light it up. But he probably will be pulled by halftime or midway through the third quarter. So you gotta get a. I'm I'm looking forward to not having to worry about that anymore. I'm looking forward to just looking at the matchup v matchup, and hoping that I can get something out of it. So, before we get too far into this, gotta give you guys my spiel. Let's give my spiel real quick. We are part of the CFF team here at Campus Canton. It's myself and Chris Moxley right there above me, as well as that we got Nate Marquise who is on with me on CTN on Monday mornings. We give you waiver wires and recap the previous week's event. You have Brandon Sanders, who is the host of the Bet on C2C podcast, as well as Chris K and Ethan Sowers, our DFS gurus. They have their own podcast, so go check that out. Like I kind of briefly said there, we got podcasts, we got articles on the Campus of Kenton website, campusofkenton.com. Make sure you go check all of those out. Lots of great articles from Chris Moxley, Austin Nace, any, uh, Chris K, tons of guys every single week that provide you great written work for you to read through, especially great stuff for you to have during like your lunch breaks and stuff like that. 
We got CFF weekly rankings for you guys. It'll really help you out with some of those sit-start dilemmas that we're going to be discussing here today. But later on in the week, again, if you're down between two guys, just go to campusaccountant.com. It's usually one of the first links you'll see on the homepage, and you can just click on those rankings, and that'll help you as a great little tiebreaker. Lots of great stuff. Go check all that out and check out all the other great podcasts on the Campus Canton podcast feed. I'm not going to go through all of them here. Just go to the podcast feed and you'll see every single one of them. There's got to be something for you in there. If you like what we're doing here, you're going to love a lot of the other shows there. So that's a short enough spiel. Let's get into the meat of this. All right. Full slate this week when it comes to sit starts. You guys really came, like I said earlier, you guys really came through this week. We were able to get two at every single position. We got quarterbacks, RBs, wide receivers, flexes, and tight ends. So we're going to touch on pretty much everything here today. And like I said, we have some really, really good discussions here. So let's get into this first one. This first one, we're going to start with quarterbacks. We're going to go Michael Penix, who's going up against Stanford this week. Or Brennan Armstrong, who's going up against Syracuse this week. Or Daquan Finn, who is going up against San Diego State. This comes from Fantasy Knob on Twitter, at Fantasy, or at Noob Fantasy. So, Chris Moxley, which way are you leaning out of these three? I have my bet on this one. I have a clear loser here. There's one here that I would not, and that is Brennan Armstrong. Even against Syracuse, I'm not, I'm not messing with that offense any longer. He is a bench rider if you're even a believer in him. I don't think he enters your starting lineup this week. But anyway, Chris Moxley, between Daquan Finn and Michael Penix, which one are you going with? Uh, This is pretty easily Penix, I think. Uh, He's averaging 35 pass attempts per game, 10.2 yards per attempt, which means that he's getting the ball downfield. He's had over 335 yards in each game. Um, Stanford has an awful secondary. They're ranked 123rd in pass EPA per play. This is just like another smash spot for that entire Washington offense. So I'm going back to the well on Penix this week. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Can we ever see Penix face a secondary that has a warm body? Who knows? We'll find out. Because currently, that uh, that Washington schedule so far has not been uh, has not been filled with a ton of great secondaries. Because Wolf Michigan State last week, I thought they had that repair just a little bit, but then my favorite player on the secondary turns out he was out, and uh, the the rest of what they got there is not good. I'm looking ahead. UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, Cal, Oregon State, any of those guys strike you as possible secondaries like a trip up Washington going forward? Mox? Um, you said they play Air Force? No, Arizona State and Arizona. Oh, Arizona State. Um, no. Yeah. So, again, not at all. This is why I think Penix is a pretty, good val- a pretty good grab for CFF at this point. There's not a ton of defenses that I'm really, really worried about him against. Maybe Oregon, but that's middle of November. Everybody else is like, they, they could put up points against anybody here. Daquan Finn, I'll give the devil's advocate argument for him here. And it mostly has to do with, first of all, San Diego State's worse than I expected this year. They've been allowing a ton of points on the ground and through the air. Um, and I think Daquan Finn is the kind of quarterback that has that dual threat ability that absolutely could take advantage of both. He can run on the ground. And I think that's the one thing he really has over Penix here is that his dual threat ability gives him a little bit more of a floor. But both of these guys have been performing well this year. Uh, they're actually right next to each other on the season. Daquan Finn is currently the QB8 on the year, and Michael Penix Jr. is QB9. Really, this comes down to matchup, and I'm with Chris on this one that the Sanford, or excuse me, the Stanford secondary is probably what you're going to want to go after here on this one. So I will agree with you on this one, Chris. We'll go Michael Penix Jr. out of these three. 
sit Brennan Armstrong. I repeat, sit Brennan Armstrong. I don't want to see his face in anybody's lineup this week. Let's move on to our second quarterback question here. This one's like old money versus new money when it comes to CFF. We got a guy that we all loved before the season. He is performing well so far, but also we have the new hotness, and that is, first of all, okay, old money is Will Rogers, quarterback out of Mississippi State. The Mike Leach air raid system need I say more. And then you have Jalen Daniels, quarterback out of Kansas, going up against Duke. This one comes to us from Patton Richard on Twitter. He is at the Patton. Again, the idea of one, okay, so one of these guys has the volume, but again, we kind of go back to passing quarterback versus dual threat guy. Which one are you kind of leaning here, Chris? Because I'm personally leaning Will Rogers here. It's just a safer play. I feel like it's only a matter of time before Jalen Daniels just has a game that busts. Will Rogers, again, has the volume to at least provide a safe floor, even though he had a pretty rough week last week. Yeah, um, Rodgers is still attempting like 47 passes per game. So, I mean, the volume's there. He posts 304 weeks, I feel like, every week. Um, he hasn't been amazing to start the season, so yes. I think Jalen Daniels also has bust potential. I don't know if we're going to get it against Duke. That worries me a little bit, but Rodgers has got bowling green. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I like Rodgers' matchup. Um, Duke is playing better overall. Like, Mike Elko is really kind of changed turn that program around and they they're this is a battle of undefeated teams by the way kansas versus duke is uh, two undefeated teams heading into lawrence yeah i am going to take it's crazy i'm going to take rogers here but i have them both ranked fairly high this week for me yeah again no no reason to think that jalen daniels can't perform super well this week um to me if there's bus potential it'll probably come down the road a little bit here he goes i uh they got Iowa State and TCU at home the next two weeks, so probably still pretty good there. But uh, then Oklahoma, then Baylor, then Oklahoma State. Get your value out of Jalen Daniels now, right now. But again, I'm with you. If Will Rogers had a tougher matchup here, I'd probably go with Jalen Daniels. But because, like you said, it's Bowling Green, not super worried about it. I'm probably going to ride with the guy who just has the volume. Both are top 13 quarterbacks for me this week. So, I mean, you're kind of splitting hairs when you get into the top 12, top 13. Yeah, and before this past week, like Will Rogers had a bad week last week. He was a top 12 quarterback on the season. Like he was QB 12 after week one, QB 7 after week two. He's probably going to get make his way back up there again because he just has the sheer volume and he knows how to run that system. So be patient with him. Don't base too much off of last week. I know Jalen Daniels had a really good week last week. All right. I think it's time we move on to the running backs. So... Got a three-way here. We got Nakia Watson, running back out of Washington State, going up against Oregon. Or we got Christopher Brooks going up against Wyoming. Or we got Jaden Ott going up against Arizona. And this is, I'm going to credit this to two people. So first of all is Jeff Gray, at Jeff Gray SF on Twitter. And Ty Myers, at TyMy1500 on Twitter. Because they both asked the same thing. I believe... Um, it's just Ty Myers asked Nakia Watson or Jaden Ott. And so they basically asked the same thing. It's just that um, it's just that Jeff Gray kind of threw Christopher Brooks in here as well. So we're going to credit this one to both of them. I'm trying to think. Where do, where do I want to kind of go with this? I feel like the only reason why this is close 
is because Christopher Brooks kind of had a rough week um, last week against Oregon for the most part. I believe he scored a touchdown, but just didn't get a ton off the ground. Meanwhile, Nakia Watson, Jaden Odd have been scoring for their respective teams pretty recently. But I still got to lean Christopher Brooks here because of just the system that they're running in for the most part. I do like Jaden Ott, but it's a little bit up and down in terms of actual production for him lately. I think Brooks is a safer play here. Mox, where are you leaning on this one? I'm also on Brooks. Um, And I just think you need to wipe your mind of what you saw last week and just move forward with Brooks. Um, they, he gets a great matchup against Wyoming. Uh, ranked 106th in EPA, uh, rush EPA per play. You saw Chase Brown go absolutely wild against them uh, week zero. He has six receptions as well, so he's getting involved in the receiving, receiving game. Um, Ott is a little touchdown reliant currently, and when those go away, I think you're going to regret starting him. Yeah, but I'm going Brooks here. I'm not going to Kia Watson. I think he's clearly clearly the odd man out of this group. But I I'll go Brooks. I think that he's still the RB one there. I'm not really concerned about what we saw last week. Yeah, I think people are like I've not been advocating for Nikia Watson to be picked up in any format because I think that passing game for Washington State is going to get going at some point. Nikia Watson is going to see his value fade big time there, and I wholeheartedly agree with you on Jaden Ott being touchdown dependent. We saw that last week when he just didn't find the end zone for Cal. His value, he only got like, what, six points? And that was in a full PPR format. So, yeah. Yeah, he catches passes too, but that Cal offense stinks, man. That's a bad Cal team still. Uh, And Arizona's been actually all right on defense. Um, So I'm not ready to totally plug Ott in. Yeah. Again, I, I think... I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I feel like we're going to be mostly in agreement throughout most of this year because I'm kind of looking ahead. A uh, little spoiler, Chris uh, has his notes down here, and I kind of see where he's heading with it, and I'm kind of thinking the same way in most of these. So we'll see if I can just manufacture some arguments here on why some of the other ones. Because, again, some of these, there's legit debate. Uh, but we'll see about this next one. we got a two-way here on our next question here, our running back. This comes from Zachary Fagan at ZFaganThoughts on Twitter. This was initially a three-way question that included EJ Smith, but EJ Smith has been confirmed out this week for Stanford. And so I just went ahead, Zachary, if that's okay, just took him out of the question because I feel like, you know, not really va- or not really valuable that we just say don't start him because he's not playing. Anyway, we got Lou Nichols, stud sweet Lou, going up against Penn State this week, or we have Evan Hall running back out of Northwestern, going up against Miami of Ohio. Just on pure production alone this year, I think this is easily Evan Hall. But I'll also go a little bit deeper into Lou Nichols a little bit here. This is a bad matchup. I know that I said earlier this offseason that you don't play Lou Nichols against a Power 5 team when he went up against Oklahoma State, and he did really well against Oklahoma State for the most part in terms of fantasy points. Scored two touchdowns in that game, if I recall correctly. I don't see that happening again. Penn State's coming off their best game that they have played in a long time. I feel like they're going to roll on that momentum. And quite frankly, again, the pattern shows Lou Nichols does not perform as well against Power 5 competition, whether that's Lou Nichols himself or just this O-line not opening holes for him. Just on pure matchup alone, I would probably sit Lou Nichols out of these two. And then Evan Hall, man, what a monster this dude has become this year. 
He has, if I can pull up my stats and info real quick, he is currently the RB6 on the year, and that is with playing one game less than most of the other top running backs. I don't count week zero in my stats because nobody plays fantasy on week zero, uh, at least not head-to-head matchups. Again, he was the RB1 in week two. He was the RB21 week week three. I don't see any reason not to roll with him this week, especially going up against Miami of Ohio. If he doesn't succeed against Miami, Miami of Ohio, that'll be a shock to me. Moxley, I feel like you're leaning the same way on this, but you have any other thoughts on why Evan Hull wins here? You are muted, Mox. Sorry, thank you. Uh, massive usage. I mean, 30, he's averaging 30 touches a game, and nine of those are receptions. Yep. That's absurd. That's absurd. I mean, you you can't buy that volume anywhere. Uh, He's also going against a defense that ranks 109th in defensive success rate. Just, you're starting him. I I ranked him too low this week. I'm moving him up. Um, I ranked him RB20. He's going to be around RB12-ish. There's just a lot of good matchups for running backs this week. So, like, it's hard to, I'm hard to move him above that. And they also struggled against Southern Illinois. So, I'm a little bit skeptical of the Northwestern offense, but... Hull just gets so much usage that it's it's not going to end up mattering. I, I would um, say like yeah, they struggled against they they struggled against an FCS team, but regardless, Hull like I mentioned this two weeks ago with Hull when we were talking about him on the waiver wire. It doesn't matter if they're ahead or behind because if his receiving ability, he's yep. leading this team in receptions right now. He is their main weapon, so they're going to utilize him no matter what. And honestly, for us, it's better if they're behind because that means Hull is out there more than Cam Porter is. Because Cam, they're not going to put Cam Porter out there on a passing down. They're going to put Hull out there nine times out of ten for that. Yeah, no, I agree. I uh, I love Hull. Um, don't love Lou Nichols this week. I think this is a really challenging matchup for him. Yeah. Um, he was fine against Oklahoma State from a fantasy perspective. He still averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. He had 26 carries for 72 yards. Yeah. Like, you're going to get more of the same this week, and hopefully he gets you in the end zone. But, I mean, I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, no, he, he feels like a you start him in the flex and hope that he finds the end zone kind of deal. Because if, if not, he's going to probably have less than 70 yards for you. Probably. Probably. I, unless Penn, probably, unless yeah. Penn State is, like, high off their success last week. So. Yeah, I, I would look elsewhere if I can yeah. for Lou Nichols this week. I have RB34, and that still feels high because I think he is has high red zone and 10 zone utilization. Yeah. Only reason he's up there. But the question is, does Central Michigan even get close to the red zone enough for him to be useful there? I didn't think they would against Oklahoma State, but alas. That's true, but also looks like that was just an off week for Oklahoma State. So we'll see. Yeah. We will easily, see. either way, easily Evan Hall. Yeah, easily Evan Hall. We, we're, we're looking too deeply into this. Uh, let's go on to wide receivers here. Let's talk about Mr. Quentin Johnson, the greatest enigma in CFF right now, going up against their rival, SMU. We'll definitely talk more about that game later. Or we can consider Jacob Cowing versus California. This comes from Brett Pagny at Brett Muck Dogs on Twitter and Constant lever of comments down below. Just a quick little thank you every single week. So, Brett, really appreciate you, sir. My hat tip to you. Let's... To me, you got a good receiver in Cowing. 
you have him going up in a good matchup. California is not a good defense. He has performed pretty well on the season for the most part. Um, yeah, he's a wide receiver 12 this year right now. He has finishes of... I'm trying to pull this up real quickly. My apologies, y'all. He was a wide receiver 2 in week 1. Not great finishes in week 2 and 3, but also pretty alright ones for the most part. Why risk it when you can have a guy going like you know is going up against a good matchup? He's shown you the upside that he can perform at a top 12 receiver level. Why risk it and put in Quentin Johnson, who we are all still trying to figure out what the hell is going on with him over at TCU. I have a feeling he has a much better week this week. Again, it's a rivalry game like up against SMU. It's going to be a shootout. They better use him as far as I'm concerned. And I hope Max Duggan, now as a starting quarterback, is smart enough to use him a little bit more. But then again, I thought they would do that in week two. But here we are. I'm pretty easily leaning here cowing just because of how much risk there is involved with Quentin Johnson. Moxie, which way are you leaning on this one? Yeah, Cowan's averaging over 10 targets per game. Um, like you said, he's been okay the last two weeks. Not amazing, but, you know, solid. I think you have to start him this week. Like, I don't know how you could possibly trust Quentin Johnston. They have, in my opinion, similar floors and similar, uh, similar floors and similar ceilings. I just think Kelling is way likely to hit his than Quentin Johnson is to hit his, just because we haven't seen any consistency from this TCU offense yet. I just mm-hmm. don't know how you can trust TCU until we see it happen. And with Kelling, you know what you're getting for the most part. You're getting a guy who is going to get 10 to 12 targets a game against a Cal defense who ranks 106th in EPA per pass. I, I just, I just. I think starting Quentin Johnson is overthinking it. I agree. In in, in this case, I think it, you really want to start him, and I want to start him too because I have him a lot of places, and I just think you have to play it safe until we figure out what this offense looks like. Yeah. I just I really want I want to start him too. Um, but yeah. I have Cowing as a top twelve receiver this week. Johnson, I don't believe is in my top fifty. Well, again, it, with, so. with Johnson, it's one of those things where we know he's going to go absolutely ham one of these games. It'll probably be the week after everybody starts dropping. him. But there's a lot of us who have him in different places that are we're just aching to be like, but if I start him this week and I, I get it right, he like this is like it's gonna be awesome for me. Because again, Johnson's the guy we've seen has 40 point upside in the right game. But again, like th- there seems something to be very off with Johnson right now. Cause again, he's just not performing at all. Granted, only two games into the season. Hopefully he proves us all wrong this weekend. But as I reiterated before, just go with the safe play in Cowling here. This this TCU offense is awful right now until they get it fixed. Yeah. I just, I'm not trying to roll out any of their options, to be honest. Yeah. Cowling's safe. He's safe. He's safe. I think he, and spoiler, over 13 and a half fantasy points is his current line on prize picks. I think he could smash that. Hmm, I like that. I like that actually a lot. I might I might throw something down on that with um what else did I play on prize picks? Again, little bonus content for everyone here. You get a quick look at my prize picks options for this week. Oh yeah, Keelan Stokes over sixty three and a half yards. I, I I forgot about that. That's a uh, I, I don't trust that he finds the end zone because I'm not entirely sure what Tulsa can do against Ole Miss's defense, but I'm pretty sure Keelan Stokes would be targeted enough times in that offense to get over sixty three yards. Anyway. Let's move on to our second set of wide receiver questions. Here we go. 
Alabama wide receiver Treshawn Holden. We're back with Mr. Holden this week. I know, Chris, you're not the biggest fan of him. You got your tongue sticking out there, vomiting all over the place. Or do we go with Hassan Beydoun, wide receiver out of Eastern Michigan, going up against Buffalo? Treshawn Holden, by the way, going up against Vanderbilt this weekend. You and I are, di- you, you and I are opposed on this one, Chris. I will let you talk about Hassan Beydoun here first. And then I will talk about Holden because I'm rolling with Holden. I don't think Hassan Beydoun's start to the season has been particularly good. I think it's been downright bad. Um, you got lucky that he even got a catch last week and it was a touchdown. Um, they're throwing less than they were last year. Uh, they also haven't needed to throw to the same extent either. So I don't know how sticky that is. This was still a guy who caught 97 passes last year. 97 for over a thousand yards. I like Hassan Beydoun. He's the wide receiver one in this offense. He's shifty. He's dynamic. I'm not ready to rule him out because I think a big like nine for 90 and a touchdown week is coming soon for him. Buffalo ranks 116th in EPA per pass. They are a bad passing defense. Maryland tore them up a couple weeks ago. I do not believe that they have the dudes to cover Beydoun. Um, who I believe was at one time a Buffalo player. I believe this is a, a uh, I, I don't want to be wrong on this, but I, I think this might be a, um, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Revenge game? Revenge game. I'll have to, I, I got to double check that. But I, if it is, I don't know how I could possibly tra- play Treshawn Holden, who I don't believe is good. I don't believe he's good enough to be starting at Alabama. That's It is what it is. I ranked him this week. I didn't rank him last week. I just... Don't trust his passing offense currently. I, I just don't know where the volume is going to go besides Shamir Gibbs. By the way, I tr- I, he could have a very similar week to what he had last week, which was like three receptions, 45 yards, and a touchdown or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, first so, of all, real quick before I get into Holden, I did try to look up Hassan Bey June's 247 page because I figured that would be the best place for me to look at his school history, and he does not have a 247 page, turns out. So, he was probably a very low end recruit. Probably. If I I have to guess. So for me here, do I want out of these two, the current wide receiver four on the year for Eastern Michigan? I agree with you, Mox. He had a really good year for Eastern Michigan last year. So there's potential for him to have better games down the line. But we talked about this at the very top of the show. There's a point during the season where we have to stop relying on what happened last year and have to start relying on what's going on this year. And currently, Asan Dune is fourth on the team, not only in receptions, but in yards for Eastern Michigan. I just don't think he's quite the focal point that he was last year. Guys like Oaks, the tight end, uh, guys like Tanner New are stepping up a little bit more. I think that he is not quite the immediate go-to guy that he was last year. Treshawn Holden, to me, provides a little bit more upside. He is in a better offense. He still technically is the wide receiver one for Bana. Yes, Jameer Gibbs has had more receptions, and that's why I do think, obviously, Jameer Gibbs is very valuable still. But this passing game has to start clicking with these receivers at some point. And I feel like they're going to be continuing to work on it, and that's why I think they're probably going to throw a little bit more against Vanderbilt this weekend than they typically would have. I would have hoped they would have done it last week against UL Monroe, but they're still kind of facing some problems last week. They got to continue to work on it. I'm going to continue to roll with Treshawn Holden here out of these two. 
I see more points. I see more touchdown opportunities. Go ahead, Mox, you're, you're muted. And I think that's fair. Um, and I understand why we would think that. By the way, he was not at Buffalo. I got him and uh, Quayne Williams mixed up, who ah, is a gotcha. Buffalo receiver who played at Eastern Michigan. So okay. I knew there was a uh, revenge game in this matchup somewhere. No, so who, go, I mean, go maybe, grab Keenan Williams start him. week, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe start him. Um, I'll ask you real quick, Mox, because I picked up Justin Marshall in a few leagues. Do you like Justin Marshall? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. A couple people have asked about adding him and I uh, in like unlimited waivers for C2C or mm. just regular waivers in CFF, and I think he's an add. Mm. Uh, you know, I've liked Williams. Um, I like Giovanni Ruiz heading into the season, too. I actually didn't say, I, I talked all offseason about how I just wanted Buffalo to get a quarterback because I thought the wide receiver room was good. Mm-hmm. Um. So we'll see, I guess, yeah. on, on what that actually looks like. This is a week, if, you're, if you picked him up, that I think you can start him. He's been yeah. pretty involved. Early season action, gotta love it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still sticking here with Trayshawn Holden. He is leading Bama in receiving yards. He's got three touchdowns on the year. He feels like, again, hasn't been great in the last two games uh, in terms of yardage, but he still feels like the one thing that's working in that receiving room right now, and that breaks my heart because I want to believe in Jermaine Burton so badly. But right now, out of these two at least, I'm going to roll with Holden. All right. Let's go with our flex questions here. By the way, um, I forget who it was, but one of you dropped a flex. that You labeled it as a flex question and then gave me three running backs. I am sorry. I cannot treat that in good in good heart as a flex question for these purposes otherwise it's just a bonus running back question um appreciate the thought and i did i did put it underneath the running back questions to be considered but uh i cannot treat that as a flex you you need to have at least at least two different positions in order for me to consider a flex question let's talk about our first one here though this one comes from arturo d great at real underscore king arthur on twitter this one I don't typically do these, but it was a good enough discussion that I figured we could throw this out here. He wants us to start two out of the three here. So I guess part of this is us discussing which one we're not starting, but also we could turn this into which which one do we want to start, Mox. So our three options here, we got Tyrese Chambers going up against Western Kentucky this week, or we got Kalen LeBourne going up against Troy, or we got LaDamian Webb going up against Louisiana Tech. Let's start this on which one do you start, Chris? Like, you you can only have one of these guys. Yeah, uh, I would start LaDavion Webb. Uh, I think that he's proven himself to be a workhorse in what appears to be a good offense, to be honest. I mean, South Alabama has been really good. Uh, they almost beat UCLA last week. They put 31 up against them. I mean, this is office that has been really impressive. They crushed Western Michigan or Central Michigan, uh, I think, two weeks ago. I mean, and Ladanian Webb's primary primary beneficiary so far. He has 10 receptions. He's averaging 21 touches. I mean, this just guy who's super involved in this offense. And the hype in spring about him was really, really loud. And then he got hurt at the very end of spring. And so I think it quieted down a little bit. But this is a player that they expected to have a big season. It seems like he's doing it so far. So he'd be my one to start out of this, I think, pretty confidently. I do love Kalen LeBorn as well. But 
Webb is would be my one. So I'm gonna go with Kalen LeBorn here. But to give you an idea of just how minuscule the difference is between Kalen LeBorn and LaDamian Webb, both of them having a great season so far. Kalen LeBorn right now is the RB4 on the season. Chris Moxley, do you want to guess what LaDamian Webb is on the season? RB5. He's RB5. Like they, these, these two are right next to each other. Uh, LeBorn had finishes of RB26, RB25, and RB10. LaDamian Webb have R- finishes of RB20, RB19, and RB22. So both of these guys are super consistent. Both of these guys have gotten you 20-plus points every given week. To answer your actual question, uh, Arturo, those are your two starts here. I don't care if this PPR yeah. or not. Those two are safe. They're, one, they're two of the top RBs on the year so far. Tyree Chambers is a great wide receiver, and I do kind of like the matchup against Western Kentucky this week. But just go with the two safe guys. They're going to get you 20 points. And as long as you can get 20 points on your bench any given or on your flex any given week, that's a great week. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised these two aren't your starting running backs. I, I'm surprised you can't find room for all three of these in your lineup. Because I think you should start Tyrese Chambers as well. But for perspective, LaDavian Webb is my RB13 and Kalen LeBorn is my RB17. So clearly, I really like both this week. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you can go either wrong with... Again, you asked for two. So those are your two right there. And let, let me see, how is Tyrese doing this year? Oh, Tyrese, not great. Uh, they, were, they were off last week, though, right? If I remember correctly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got finishes. He had our, wide receiver 19 week one. And then uh, wide receiver 120 the second week. So, yeah, he's he's a little up and down, at least so far this season. I would just roll with the two running backs. That's that's the way I'm leaning on this one. Even, and even if it's PPR, LeBorn and Webb can catch out of the backfield. So no problems there whatsoever, in my opinion. All right. Next flex question. We got Mr. Emeka Egbuka. Wide receiver out of Ohio State going up against Wisconsin, or we can have Devin A. Chain going up against Arkansas, or we have Say Bandura, a running back out of Ohio, going up against Norfolk State. This actually question comes from, to us from the BTR Discord, so shout out to the Burning the Red Shirt podcast guys for letting me post this question on their Discord and a couple of people responding to it. So this comes from AC. ALCR4015 on that Discord. He asked this three-way matchup right here. And before we really kind of get into which one we pick out of this bunch, because I think there's arguments for all three here, Mox. Let's talk about specifically Egbuka, or specifically just Ohio State players going up against Wisconsin here. Are we kind of overthinking it if we're thinking about benching the Ohio State players against Wisconsin this week? I personally would not start Emeka Egbuka. Um, he's at, I ranked 135 receivers this week, and he is in my top 135, but he's not very high. I think starting the third op, what I expect to be the third option against a really good defense, is probably chasing points a little too much because he's just had two really solid weeks. And I like Emeka Egbuka a lot. I actually think he's a really really talented receiver. Probably in the next him and him, Jason, and Marvin Harrison are probably all first rounders come their respective draft time. So this is not a shot at Egbuka like it was at Trayshawn Holden earlier. But Wisconsin is just a really good team, mm-hmm. um, really good defense. So I don't want to 
roll him out unless I actually have to this week. And I don't think you have to based on your other two. Yeah. Uh, what about the other guys? Uh, Travion, uh, Marvin Harrison, JSN, CJ Shroud. Any, like, is there anybody that you're kind of worried about? This is a question I've been getting asked a lot this week, so I figured this is a good time to kind of bring this up for those of you who are wondering why I'm so big on this tangent right now. I think you need to start everyone not named Nick Buka. Okay. Is my is my opinion on so it. I think that a you start your stud situation. Yeah. Uh, I don't have Travion ranked that high this week. Uh, not sure he's in my I know he's not in my top twenty. Um, but I believe he's around RB thirty. So I mean I'm not enamored with him this week. I think that there's a chance that you have better options than him. He's RB twenty six. So I you probably have better options than him. You might have better options than him, but you know, I think you could look elsewhere mm-hmm. if you absolutely needed to. CJ Stroud's still top-ranked quarterback. I'm not fading him yeah. in this matchup. They just throw a bunch, and the offense is so explosive. Uh, JSN's JSN, and Marvin Harrison is broken out in a big way. So just start those dudes. Yeah, fair enough. And my thought on Ekbuka real quick again. JSN comes back, so unless they're going four wide constantly against Wisconsin, is probably going to see significantly less snaps than he has seen the last couple of weeks, especially with Julian Fleming coming back as well. Yes, I have eyes. I know Ekbuka is a better receiver than Fleming, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Fleming is their primary guy in that other outside role for right now. Yes, Ekbuka will take some of those snaps away from Fleming, no doubt about it. But at the same time, like it is going to impact the, the amount of times that Buka's on the field more than we've seen the last couple of weeks. So I think he, regardless already, was going to be a bit more of a sit this week than he has been the last couple of weeks. Let's talk about these other two guys. Devin Chain going up against Arkansas. I Little Birdie told me that Arkansas currently has the 131st passing defense in the country. That could be a really good thing or a really bad thing for A-Chain because A-Chain is a really good receiving back. But also, Arkansas still has a pretty good run defense from what I can tell. And so I'm a little bit more hesitant on that, and I would rather lean more towards, say, Bangura here, who is a bell cow back in the MAC and is going up against a FCS team that Marshall absolutely obliterated a couple weeks ago. So they're just already a, a, clearly a competition or a level of competition below the other FBS programs. I'm probably going to go with, say, Bangura here. I get A-Chain. Maybe if it's a PPR league, I might lean there because I do expect A-Chain to have a pretty good game against Arkansas. But also, the Texas A&M offense gives me a little bit of pause. I think I'm just going to go Bangura here. Moxley, where are you leaning out of the remaining two? Yeah, I am as well. Um, He's had really two really tough matchups. Iowa State's tough. Penn State's tough, but when they actually played a team that they could match up well against, Ohio, they he was a workhorse in week yeah. one. So they get Norfolk State this week. I think he goes back to that workforce volume. You're not gonna you can't get him more than like 10, 11 touches against Penn State. Like they're yeah. just not there's no game plan that fits that. And so I'm not worried about it. Um for Bangura, who's had maybe combined like 15 touches the last two weeks. That that doesn't really scare me. Um, I don't know what to think of this Arkansas defense because it hasn't been great, but their issue is really uh, on a per-play basis, they're lot, letting a lot of stuff, or on an explosiveness basis, they're letting a lot of stuff happen. Yeah. Less so on a per-play basis. And a lot like the reason I think they're low is that garbage time against South Carolina, I think, really hurt them. Mm-hmm. 
And I think they took their foot off the gas defensively in the second half against Seth Klein and Spencer Rattler. So I don't think they're quite as bad as their stats indicate for what it's okay. worth. But they did lose Jalen Catalan, um, phenomenal safety. But I don't think they're quite that that bad. I think they're probably in middle of the pack pass defense, which in the SEC, I'm not sure that's going to be good enough. But for this matchup, it might It'd not be- matter. It, it's a good thing they might be going up against one of the worst passing of offenses in the yeah. SEC. So that probably will help them out a little bit. And also, again, you, you added the South Carolina game. Also, they got caught off guard, I think, by Missouri State last week a little bit. So they probably were... And they were looking ahead. They were looking ahead, definitely, against the Texas A&M. Uh, Missouri State passed all... Is it Southeast Missouri or just Missouri State? I think it's just Missouri State. Okay, yeah. Bobby Petrino basically caught him off guard last week, which that would have... If Arkansas had lost that game, they never could have lived that down. That would have been a meme for it years. Would have been awesome. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I want to call anything regarding Bobby Petrino winning at this point awesome. But we'll see. Anyway, would have been would have been hilarious. Oh, uh, in a in a dark way, it would have been hilarious. Anyway, uh, Save Gira, I think we're both in agreement. He's probably the play here out of this bunch right here. He should have a really good week, and just hope he doesn't have a week like he did against FAU, where again, twenty three carries he had. Over 100 yards, just couldn't find the end zone. He'd, he'll find the end zone against Norfolk State this weekend, hopefully. All right, tight ends. Let's talk about our tight end questions here. Payne Durham going up. Um, yeah, Payne Durham going up against FAU this weekend, or we got George uh, Takas going up against Florida State. This comes from Drew on Twitter at cff underscore Heisman. I think really you have two good tight ends here. I would probably just go with the one with the better matchup, playing down to competition, going up against a G5 team. I'm going to lean towards Payne Durham here. Boston College's offense definitely has looked rough as soon as it has faced any kind of, um, really any kind of competition. So I'm probably going to lean towards Payne Durham. Had a really good week against Syracuse last week. I have to imagine they'll probably use him a little bit more than they did in week one or week two. That's where I'm leaning on this one. Moxley, where are you going with this one? Yeah, I mean, Durham just smashed last week. I don't think we have to overthink it. Tagus has been good. Taka, however you pronounce it, has been good this season. I've just, um, picked, I've just picked one pronunciation, just gone with it. I don't know if it's right or wrong. All right. All right, I've been saying Takis, so I'm going to keep saying it then. There you go. Because that's my that's the way that's how I've been pronouncing it. Um, I that tells you that I have not watched any Boston College this year, for what it's <laughs> worth. I have I've stayed away from those games because I don't hate myself that much. Um, this is just a bad Boston College offense, man. He seems he's probably the only thing that's working with it. But Florida State has kind of proven that they might they're a little scrappy, man. Yeah, they're pretty they, good. Uh, if Jared Burst comes back, and I haven't seen the full extent of his injury, so he could already be ruled out, and I, I am just being an idiot here. Uh, I don't think this Boston offensive line is going to be able to do anything, and they might just score zero points. Like That's yeah. how bad I think that this team could be. Uh, Payne Durham was great last year. Yep. Awesome week last week. He scored two touchdowns. Yep. Just roll him out. Have confidence. I think he's a top 10, top 8 tight end moving forward. Um, I question what the Boston College offense could do to support Takis regardless. Because I like the Syracuse defense um, last week, and Durham ripped them apart. Yep. So I like Payne Durham a lot. Speaking of uh, Purdue-Syracuse, what an awesome game that was. 
That was fun. It was. Like I, I had that in the bottom corner while I imagine we were both watching the Georgia South Carolina game, but that whenever commercial came on, I just immediately flipped over to that. Oh, game. I, that game was off. That game was off by then. <laughs> that game was way off. I, that game was off by like the end, almost the end of the uh, end of the first quarter. I was about to ask, like, how how far did you make it, Chris, before you just decided you didn't want to watch abuse anymore? I just, I don't care, honestly. Like, I've gotten to the point where I'm just so numb to it that I have no problem turning it off. I just, mm-hmm. like, this is not the worst South Carolina has been in the last five years, so I'm just happy that we're looking competent with Shane Beamer versus where we were three years ago, losing to, I guess, more than three, five years ago, losing to uh, the Citadel. Okay, fair. So just progress is progress is progress. So, but no, I didn't watch very much of that game. It's, we we scored a touchdown, I think, with like three or four minutes left. It was less than so, a minute left. There you go. Um, speaking of Shane Beeper, people need to lay off of him for his post-game press conference where like somebody asked him if he saw any quit in his team. And he basically told off the reporter and said, like, oh, like, the hell kind of question is that? Like, we're one and two. Like, we got plenty of season left and everything. And like, people are like, oh, he was so rude to him. I'm like, I would have been the same way in that moment. Like, come on. Like, that's, that's a terrible question to ask, You're, like, a team right then and there. Yeah, and, and Beamer actually come out and said he had apologized to the reporter. He called him, and, uh, you know, he kind of oh, said yeah. that. Shane, Beamer's, Shane Beamer's a good guy. People, yeah. people uh, I don't think, realize all the stuff that he's doing behind the scenes at the athletic department. I, um, I, I appreciate how, how honest he is in press conferences. Because, like, last year when he faced Georgia, they asked him, like, what do you think of the game? And he was just like... Well, they got a bunch of four and five stars literally everywhere on that defense. Like, what else was going to happen? Yeah, I know he's, he's, he's a breath of fresh air for the program for sure. Um, really happy to have him versus where we were the last few years. So, not enough of that tangent. I, I went off on that one too long. My apologies, everybody. Let's get to our last tight end question here. Bryson Nesbitt, the tight end wide receiver hybrid at UNC, going up against Notre Dame or Terrence Ferguson. Tight end out of Oregon going up against Washington State this week. This comes from David Hassel on Twitter at David underscore Hassel. I'm going to go with Nesbitt here, mostly just for volume. I have been I've been singing the praises of Terrence Ferguson, and I still maintain he is one of Bo Nix's preferred options down near the red zone. He has gotten multiple red zone targets every game that Oregon has played so far, and I think he's a touchdown machine moving forward. But that's not the game you can really play with CFF sometimes, and I would rather go with Bryson Nesbitt, who, in Josh Downs' absence, has been making plays for UNC, and I think I would rather kind of go with him because Drake May seems to be looking his way just a little bit more often, and he's a little bit more explosive than Terrence Ferguson. Moxley, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Um, yeah, I would rather play Nesbitt as well, but I don't really love 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 either this week people want kamari morales to just not exist and he's still a pretty big piece of this tight end room for unc it's like desmond isn't totally monopolizing all those targets he is explosive he is more of a wide receiver than a tight end like you said but uh i think he's the one you do start i'm not quite convinced ferguson is a weekly starter yet um i do think he's approaching that Mm -hmm. but i think nesbitt probably is I just don't like the matchup as much against Notre Dame because Notre Dame's got some dudes. So Notre Dame's got some dudes, but people still find a way to score on them. Like even Cal found seventeen points against him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I that yeah that team might be in, on quit watch, and we're like. Three it should be a shame because I like Martin that would be a top ten team. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I just that team is just that yeah. offense is just not good. I think the defense is playing pretty pretty well, um, yeah. all things considered. But anybody who can again, hold Ohio State to twenty one points, I think, is worth singing the praise of. But yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they have three or four guys who are first or second round picks on that team, so yeah. they're a good again, defense. Reiterating, I think we both like Nesbitt just a little bit more. Again, I I do think they're relatively even. Like again, because like Ferguson has better touchdown potential. Because again, I I've been blown away how many times I've seen Bo Nix look his way in the red zone. But probably gonna lean Nesbit here. Let's move on to our final segment of today. We're gonna talk about our or the top five CFF fantasy relevant games, and we're gonna try to touch on. Obviously, each one of these games probably has their obvious stud in it. You're gonna want to start them. But we'll discuss it maybe a little bit deeper. Are there some secret plays in these higher scoring matchups that you might want to consider that are pretty rel- that are pretty widely available uh, on free agent lists right now? So we'll definitely take a look at that. Let's start with our first one here. We got the battle for the iron skillet. I told you guys we would be discussing this game later. We got TCU at SMU. TCU a one and a half point favorite here. It is on ESPNU, the noon game over under of 71 and a half obvious studs to start this game tanner mordecai rashi rice don't need to worry about those like you're like they're in your starting lineup it, unless you have just much better options than those two i would be hard pressed not to find a way to get them in this should be an excellent excellent game for them anybody else that we're loving here in this matchup mox I got three names that I'm kind of considering here. You can shoot me down on them, but I want to hear from you first. So I think you could start Max Dugan, TC quarterback. Chandler Morris is out. Uh, TCU's favorite in the game where they're probably going to score 35 mm-hmm. points ish. Uh, I don't, that's probably about what their team total is currently. Um, do his quick math. But and I think you could start Quentin Johnston. Again, I have him ranked as a starter, borderline starter. So I think you can roll him out, but just know that like there's risk there. Big time um, risk. If you, depending on the depth of your league, I also have uh, Darius Davis, the other wide receiver, as a, a TCU a potential play. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Jake Bailey will be back this week yep. for SMU. And if Jake Bailey's back, I, I really like him. And if we're really, really deep, I'm talking like you're in like a 24 team league or more. Bo Krause is going to be back. I think you that he's a potential play. Um, and I wouldn't totally count out Jordan Hudson, the freshman receiver at TCU. So a lot of potential fantasy upside here. Um, I could go deeper, but I don't want to speak to leagues that are like 36 teams. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, you, you touched on two of the ones. I was going to mention Jake Bailey again, him being back this week. I think he is the wide receiver two option for SMU. I think so. A lot of great reports out of camp. And as soon as he came back last week, it looked like they were kind of looking his way a little bit more than pretty much any of the other receivers not named Rasheed Rice. Dude, Rasheed Rice has, I didn't think it was, it was possible for a receiver to monopolize this much. I guess I shouldn't be super surprised with Rhett, um, Rhett Lashley's history, but like Rice never struck me as a guy that could truly monopolize the, the targets this much. He's got a crate. Like he, I think he's approaching like 
35, 40% of target share. Like, he's absolutely insane. Anyway, um, but Jake Bailey, I think, is going to come in. He'll be the wide receiver two option kind of moving forward. Should be relevant each week. Talk about Jordan Hudson. He currently leads TCU in receptions and and uh, receiving yards. I kind of like that as a sneaky play here as well. If you, he might be, he might be even a little bit safer option than Quentin Johnson. We'll see. Um, and then I want to throw out Trey Siggers, the running back out of SMU. If this is a close game either way, like if they're kind of going back and forth, the running backs are going to be involved. And TCU has split their backfield up a little bit too much for me to truly recommend any of their guys. Kendra Miller, maybe. Maybe, again, now, again, we're going into the 2014 leagues right there. But Trey Siggers, I feel like, has done well enough for this SMU backfield. They're going to want him getting the ball more than any other running back. And so I'm going to throw him out there as potential play. All three of my guys that I mentioned, Bailey, Siggers, and Hudson, rostered on less than 14% of leagues. So if you're really desperate on Saturday morning and you're just looking for a guy to plug into your lineup, maybe throw a Hail Mary on it. I think any of those guys you could probably pick up. I got one more. One more. Um, and this is a dart throw if you're desperate at the tight end spot. Okay. SMU tight end, RJ Maryland. Freshman. One, yeah, one for 51 and one last week. But he's really explosive. It's four catches, 88 yards this season, and touchdown. I think that this could be a game where he kind of has another breakout. And could so be. if you're desperate, I, I think he's playable. I really do. I like I like that he's call. He's pretty interesting. I like that call, and I believe he's the highest-rated tight end recruit SMU has ever had. Probably. He was, uh, he was a four-star. He was a Queen Ears teammate. Oh, really? I did well. not know South that. Lake Carroll, yeah. Oh, the more you learn. So he's got a, got a, little, uh, got a little pedigree there. Alrighty, let's move on to our second matchup here. Over under 66.5 on this one. I cannot believe the words are coming out of my mouth on this one, but undefeated Duke going up against undefeated Kansas. Kansas is a 7.5 point favorite. This is a 12 p.m. game on Fox Sports 1. I was very impressed with Kansas last week. I thought there was no way they could upset Houston. I thought that was a bad line. I was blown away by Houston being only favored by 10 and a half, and the, the Jayhawks shut me up. Houston's probably just worse than I expected them to be this year because I thought Houston could go undefeated this year. But, like, here we are. And not only is the two undefeated teams going up against each other, they're expected to put up a lot of points this weekend. So, again, obvious studs right now. I think we can throw Jalen Daniels in there. Uh, he is currently the QB. He's a QB four on the year. I don't know how long that lasts because a lot of that comes from two really good weeks in a row there. But again, this is a Duke defense. Probably going to perform pretty well again here. And then, yeah, I think that's pretty much the only like guaranteed set out of this one. We can talk about Riley Leonard, maybe the quarterback out of Duke. He's also had a really good season so far. Uh, but Mox, who are you looking at in this game as potential starters? Yeah, I think you can start both Riley Leonard and Jalen Daniels. Uh, I think Leonard's rushing upside gets you what you need mm-hmm. from a um, a production standpoint. So I feel a little bit co- more confident in, in rolling him out. And Kansas' defense isn't very good. I mean, they're they're winning, but they're winning by letting by scoring forty five when their opponent's scoring like forty. Gotcha. That's kind of the way that they're playing. Um, 
I think you can start Devin Neal, the running back for Kansas. I think that he's a big enough part of this offense to continue starting him. Um, he didn't have a huge game last week, but I'm not super worried about that because I've always thought Houston has a really good front seven mm-hmm. and can would probably slow him down. Uh, I'm not going to be starting any receivers, to be totally honest. Yeah, But I do think Jalen Calhoun, the receiver at Duke, is in play considering how high the total is. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure Kansas has anybody I want to start though. Is there, um, I forget the Calhoun, was he injured or am I just making stuff up? Uh, did he get injured last game and I missed it? I I thought I saw something about like him being injured. I'll look it up real quick. Uh, Well, if he is, then don't play him. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's your piece of advice. Uh, let's see. Latest. No, I'm not seeing anything. Maybe I, I think I'm just messing, making stuff up. Ignore me. Um, cool. Okay. I think you could play Jalen Calhoun if you're in a deep league again. Yeah. Um, I think you could do worse than playing him. I mean, he's leading receiver on Duke, and this is a high total. Yeah. They're gonna have to score to keep up. Yeah. And they're and they're the underdogs. I, they're gonna have to pass to keep up. Yeah. And I like I like what I've seen out of this Duke offense. Like it hasn't been bad. Mm-hmm. In any capacity, really. They're at, how many how many yards per game do you think the Duke offense is averaging? Four twenty-five. Four sixty. Dang, that was close. Four fifty was the Duke be my offense is averaging four hundred sixty yards per game. That includes Dang. sack yardage for Riley Leonard. Wow. Well. So four sixty. This is a good, pretty good Duke offense, and Kansas is does not really strike a lot of fear into me based on what we've seen between the West Virginia game where they scored like 42 and Houston where they scored 30. Just saying. This is going to be a high-scoring game. I'll throw one more name out here, and that's Duke running back Jalen Coleman. A little bit of split carries between him, Jordan Waters, and there's one other running back. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he has scored 10-plus fantasy points. Jack Westmore. Yes. Um, he has scored 10-plus fantasy points in the last three games. Is he somebody in a deeper league you would kind of roll out? I just wonder about the split. I feel like Waters is starting to take more and more from him. Uh, he's had 10 carries the last two weeks, Jordan Waters has. Uh, and Coleman had the really big week one. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it might be Jordan Waters who ultimately takes a bigger share of the backfield. Uh, they've had the same number of carries the last two weeks. My my best so ball there's a shares would there. love nothing more. <laughs> I have a lot of I know. Waters. I have a lot of waters as well. They've both been really efficient. Yeah. Like 6.1 yards per carry and 7, 7 yards per carry. They've both been really good. Yeah. Again, deeper leagues, maybe throw a shot on one of those two guys. Because, again, this could be a high-scoring game. Multiple ways to score for them. Or multiple opportunities to score for them. So maybe throw one of those guys out. All right. We'll go quick with this next one because we've kind of talked about these two teams before. So we don't want to reiterate the same names over and over again here. Uh, but North Texas at Memphis. Memphis is an 11.5 point favorite, 3 p.m. game, or 3.30 p.m. game on ESPN+. Plus. The over-under on this game is 69.5. Start your studs here. I think uh, Seth Hennigan, I think, easily is a stud. And I think that's pretty much where the list ends. So who are you confidently starting out of this game outside of, again, Seth Hennigan? Confidently? Confidently. Nobody? 
Okay, semi confidently. Confidently, nobody. Semi confidently. I think you can start Oscar Attaway and probably Ao Day. The both running backs for North Texas. Uh, I think you can start. I'll probably start Austin Ani, even though I'm very skeptical of him. Um, I do think he's a startable player. And I would start Roderick Burns. I'm actually starting Roderick Burns in a couple places this week. So Okay, nice. On that side. And then the Memphis side, I probably feel pretty okay about starting Gabriel Rogers. I think he's kind of emerged as the primary receiving option there. I thought it was going to be Javon Ivory. Don't think it is. I think Rogers is kind of the guy you want to be targeting. Um, that's where I feel like semi-confident. And then, of course, Caden Prescorn. The I, I was going to say, like, you better not forget about the, the, uh, the corn, Prescorn. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, Prescorn I have as a top eight tight end this week. I think you almost have to. I think he's in must-start territory at this yeah. point. Yeah, I, I I should have included him with the studs because that felt like an like an easy one. Like he's, I don't trust any of the Memphis wide receivers right now. Again, I'm with you a little bit that Rogers probably the safest one out of the bunch, but Prescorn I think is just a safe player all around for this matchup. He should find he should find a way into the end zone to get involved in this passing game pretty early on. So two touchdowns last week, I believe. He right? did. Very, yeah, very, sh- very Sean Dykes like performance. That's all we need. That's all we need. That's all we need. Um, yeah, again, we're not going to spend too much time on this game because again, we talked we talked about North Texas and Memphis and different matchups last week. So if you want even more detail on some of the other players that might go, just go back and listen to that episode as well because I think we don't want to sound too repetitive here. All right, next one involves one of your favorites. Chris Moxley. Yeah. We got Ball State at Georgia Southern, the Fighting Statesboro Golden Eagles. They're not Golden Eagles. They're just Eagles. I'm dumb. Anyway, just uh, Georgia Southern, 10-point favorite here. 6 p.m. game on ESPN+. Plus. Over-under on this game, 67. Maction versus Fun Belt here. This game could have both sides scoring 40 points for all I care. This could be a really, really, I mean, really fun one. So start your studs here. I think both quarterbacks are in play here. Again, I don't think either one of these teams really has the stud, any any true studs yet. I think that'll change as the year goes on. We'll talk about some of the wide receiver options here. But I think both quarterbacks are in play. Kyle Van Trees, dude's averaging like 40-plus yeah, 40-plus uh, attempts per game. And if they're behind at all in this game, you know he's going to be passing the ball around a ton. Um, what's the what's the ball state quarterback name? I'm falling apart here, y'all. My bad. John John Paddock. Yeah, I think he I think he's in play just from the pure volume standpoint. They're going to be need to pass the ball. They're not favored. They're going to be throwing. They're going to be coming from behind quite a bit. Jason Jackson. The wide receiver for them, I think he is definitely in play here. He's kind of taken over the role that. Um, oh my God, who who is the wide receiver for Ball State last year? Uh, the Justin one, Hall. Justin Hall, thank you. Oh my God, falling apart here, y'all. Anyway, um, he's taking over the Justin Hall role right now. I think he is going to be your player. Going to want to be moving forward here. Um, Yo. Uh, Johannes Tyler, I think, is another just kind of fun one to throw out there if you're in a deeper league. And then, Mox, I'll let you talk about your Georgia Southern wide receivers, man, because you, you've been on them all year, and so I'll, I'll let you sing their praises. Listen, we talked 
Uh, I can't even tell you when that podcast was. Um, that one, it, it was sometime. Top, it was an underrated offensive show, right? That was, I think, yeah, that was our before. underrated offensive show. That was before I went down to Savannah, so I think that was May. May, I, we talked about the Georgia Southern offense. Yep, one of our favorites. We called out Derwin Burgess. I said, yep. this dude was a freshman last year. Could be awesome. Keep an eye on him. Think he's really good. Turns out he's really good. He's really good. top fifteen in the country in targets currently. Yep. The man is the man. I think you start Thurman Burgess. You start him with confidence. Didn't have as great of a week last week. Whatever. They're playing UAB. UAB's great defense. He still got you th- three for thirty six and a touchdown. Like you can live with that. Yep. If that's going to be a down week from your wide receiver. Um, I think you start him with confidence. I think you could start Kyle Ventrese with confidence. His offense is passing at an incredibly high rate. Yep. Just like we figured it would, because they brought in Brian Ellis, who was the um, a key cog in the Western Kentucky passing offense last year. Clay Helton loves to pass. It was a perfect match. Kyle Ventries, Derwin Burgess. Secondary options like Caleb Hood are pretty interesting as well. Um, I think you can start Jalen White, who is the running back there. Yep. I think that he is a potential star. I think he's the best running back on this roster. It's been a little, little bit of a split between him and Gerald Green, but... I feel better about White. And then one player um, on Ball State that I'll throw out that I haven't heard anybody talk about yet. So maybe we're just like a little early on him. Tanner Kozoil. Tight end. Tight end there. Yep. Nine for 95 and two so far this year. I was just looking at him. I mean, you could do, I think you could do worse than him. I like, I I did not rank him this week and I probably should have. He had a big week last week. He had six, six catches. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I thought it was going to be Jack Coldiron. I don't believe that is going to be the case. I or sorry, he's Miami Miami's title. I, I was saying, like, he's, I not, he's not Ball State. I always get confused I, with these matching I, games. I, I understand the confusion. I've confused Ball State and Miami of Ohio so many times. Yeah, they're both red te- They're both red teams. Um, that bird mascot. Yeah, yeah, with bird mascots in the Mac. So I always get them confused. But no, Tanner Kozel has kind of been a big piece of this offense. So yeah. I, I'm a little interested in him. Maybe even the rest of the season. I I don't think I think he's a very very sneaky deep league ad. If you if you want to go that way, he's been involved involved in the red zone too. So yep. I think you could start him again, deep league, deep leagues. I'm also going to throw out wide receivers, Caleb hood and um, Jeremy Singleton for Georgia Southern. Again, there's going to be enough volume going around for all of these guys to where you could have multiple receivers with double digit targets in this offense. Take, if you're in a really deep league and just need a shot, take a shot on one of those two guys. And then we would be remiss if we didn't mention the main running back at Ball State, Carson Steele. Monopolized yeah. that backfield so far, about 60% of the carries, already over 300 yards in the year and two touchdowns. I have to imagine he'll probably find his way into the end zone here, and you'll probably get an early peek at what his action load will look like in this kind of game. Unless they fall behind too much and they have to pass. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I, I meant to mention Steele, and Steele's been involved in the receiving game too, so you're getting a little bit of value there. Yeah, I. this is a game that I'm looking forward to. This one seems like it could be a ton of fun, and like I typically try to keep on my screen just kind of the big games of each one, but like if there's not much going on in the later slate, this one's probably definitely going on to my TV as one of the four that I'm watching, because this could be yeah. points absolutely galore. Yep. The the one thing that scares me about Carson Steele is the game script. Like you said, they're 10 point dogs. Um, we also did just watch Dwayne McBride rush for like 230 yards against yeah, them last week. Exactly. So like maybe start Carson Steele. 
despite the spread. To be fair, though, Dwayne McBride, a much better running back than Carson Steele. But true, true. But still, still, I'm a. I, I still like Carson Steele this week. Yeah. If you can, I, th- I think we somewhere. both do. Yeah. Just again, playing a little devil's advocate. All right. Let's hit up our last matchup here. We'll keep it quick on the USC side of things. We talked about them last week, and they have the obvious studs to start here. But we'll then hit a bit more on the other side here. We got USC, the six and a half point favorite at Oregon State. It's the 9.30 p.m. Pac-12 network game. It is a over-under of 71. USC, start your studs. Caleb Williams, uh, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. They're, they're in the lineup. There's no reason to really be skeptical on any one of those guys except for the fact that probably not enough touchdowns to go around for both Mario Williams and Jordan Addison to have huge, huge weeks in this kind of matchup. But maybe they do. Maybe they both catch a touchdown. But I think those are the ones you start with confidence. Running backs for USC. Austin Jones has started to kind of look more and more like the go-to back for USC when they get down near the red zone, which is very disappointing because I love Travis Dye. And I was really hoping that he would do better in this offense. But man, they got a, they got a two-way backfield right there with Travis or Travis Dye and Austin Jones. I don't know if I would start either one of those guys confidently, especially if this game does become a shootout. Maybe Dye because he has a better receiving ability. He does have seven catches on the year already, but I don't love either of those options. Moxley, do you like Chris or Travis Dye in this matchup, just on a pure potential to score? I think you can start him. I would not rush to start him. Gotcha. He's like, if I, I, I don't want to keep saying like if I'm desperate, but I really would have to be kind of desperate because I don't like the split, like you said. Mm-hmm. He would need to take a... It, the way he would score is like taking a screen past like... 30 yards like that's kind of how i envision him scoring and i don't want to rely on that every week so Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be excited to start him and oregon state's defense has honestly been pretty good yeah so i don't really want to try to run out a running back there either Mm -hmm. also real quick tangent again it surprised me a little bit this game's only six and a half point difference i know that usc has benefited a lot from turnover so far and they can only last so long as iowa found out last year but ha (laughs) <laughs> it took it took them a little while. It took them a little while. They got away with it for a while. But again, I'm not entirely sold that Oregon State can really keep up with USC like this spread kind of indicates. But then again, I was wrong about Kansas last week. So here's hoping the Beavs overtake USC this week. Speaking of the Beavs, who are we liking on that side of things? Deshaun Fenwick, I think, at this point in time, I know we all love Damian Martinez, and he clearly is the number two back for Oregon State, but I think Deshaun Fenwick for right now has this number one job locked down, and if he continues to lock it down, that is a CFF-relevant piece moving forward. I'm sad that Luke Musgrave has been out for Oregon State. He could he would have been an absolute must-start in this game. Would have been a ton of fun for him. The only other player I'm kind of really considering here is the wide receiver, um... Treshawn Harrison, the senior, he's had 16 receptions on the year, already over 200 yards, two touchdowns, so he clearly is kind of that number one back. Maybe gold a little bit, because again, he's clearly the deep threat guy. Uh, USC gives up a lot of big plays. He's averaging 23.5 yards per catch. 
got along a 74 on the year, so maybe he's somebody you throw in a super deep league. But am I? Are you sold on Chance Nolan in this matchup as a startable option, Chris Moxley? I've never been sold on Chance Nolan in my life, um, <laughs> to be honest. But no, I think you have to be. Their implied team total so high that I think he's going to have a productive game. I, th- I think he probably throws for two or three touchdowns. 250 to 300 yards so i mean that's a pretty good performance yeah you know i don't it's not perfect but it's pretty good Um, and i would i would honestly start both wide receivers this week uh golden harrison i think that they're both startable um usc's pass events has been all right but they haven't been tested by in my opinion a good passing offense (laughs) so Mm. uh, we'll see kind of what that means but i do i agree with your deshaun fenwick take i mean i think they're gonna they've been very bad against the rush like they're ranked 124th against the rush in epa per play which means they're allowing a bunch of explosive plays and we saw that ej smith tore them up ari broussard wasn't all that bad against them like that's a rice running back deshaun fenwick former south carolina running back deshaun fenwick (laughs) i think is a very explosive player and i think he could tear up the uh the usc defense as well who has struggled it in the front seven that's for sure yeah, I think we're both definitely on the same guys there. Yep. Any other anybody else on the USC side of things you might throw out there? Again, it it feels like it's the studs and that's it. Yeah, it's Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, and then in spots maybe Travis Dye. Yeah. Not nothing else really to say on that. All righty. Ended a little bit earlier today. We got got through that pretty quick this weekend, but really appreciate all you guys tuning in chris moxley you were awesome as always really appreciate you coming on here and kind of discussing all the sit start dilemmas discussing the highest scoring games of the week catching me when i'm falling whenever i am up late at night and i cannot think of a player's name you're always there to help me out uh mox again it's only been a week but let everybody know uh what kind of stuff you're working on and where they can find you on social media yeah, this is my uh, better sports shout out. So every Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m., Cam Stanton is on the Better Sports Network. If you want to listen, download the app. We're talking a whole bunch of betting content as well as just regular uh, sit starts for the get day previewing matchups. So that's a really exciting opportunity that they've given us there. And so you can catch us um, or some version of us on, on Saturdays. Uh, you know, weekly content coming out across the board for everybody. I mean, yeah. we're producing so much content. I think we were, we got like five or six articles scheduled for tomorrow. I was uh, I was on the back end earlier, so y'all can y'all can absolutely head over to campscan.com, check out all those websites. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube page so you can get all of our YouTube content as well. Just incredible amount of stuff in season that we're putting out. So just stay tuned and, and make sure you're following Campscan and everybody associated with us. I mean, yeah. just a lot of smart people. Yeah, the the team we have built here at Campus Kenton, I, I am honestly surprised every time we make a hire because I'm like, that's a home run hire. 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 Oh, they hired that Jared guy. He's a, that's, a, eh, that's a little meh. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, check out the Better Sports show on the Better Sports app. And then also don't forget to check out our Saturday shows as well. I am live on the Tailgate show along with Austin Ace, Chris Moxley, Colin Decker, and Matthew Bruning. I won't be on officially this Saturday, I will be going to the Georgia-Kent State game. That is a noon game, so unfortunately, I'll probably not be able to join live unless they let me live from Sanford Stadium. So we'll see about that. 
Uh, well, also, it'll probably heavily depend on what kind of reception I could get at Sanford. Quick side note. Reception at Sanford is awful. Moxley, is South Carolina any better with the the reception? Nope. Yep, okay, cool. I'm glad nope. I'm not the only one, because our reception's awful at the stadium. It's gotten a little bit better. I can actually get a text out every once in a while now. Yeah, I can't I can't I can do anything at uh Williams Price. Yeah. All I have is the little scoreboard thing that they put up in the corner of the stadium. That's how I keep track of games whenever I'm at a Georgia game and so I'm sitting I got no context whenever I'm looking at those scores up there anyway I'm rambling really appreciate you guys tuning in again check out all of our stuff and we'll see you guys next week on Monday with Nate Marquise hopefully he'll be back Uh, we'll discuss some waiver wires and we'll be discussing the previous week until then we appreciate y'all and have a wonderful and blessed weekend good luck to all your teams see ya